Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Starbucks. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we have Jim Rosati. Jim, what's up, my man? Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? It's good to be home. It's been a, uh, it's been a really rough travel schedule for me the last, uh, the last few weeks. So it, it was awesome to sleep in my own bed last night. I don't envy you. You, uh, you've been gone. I mean, since winter meetings, right? We arrived Saturday. And then I went home. You went to Kansas City. Yeah, it was um, it was our our annual holiday party, uh, at work. And uh, so, yeah, I worked from the office on Friday in Kansas City, and then you know, Saturday night was the holiday party, and then finally got back last night at like eight p.m. So, yeah, it was a it was a rough week. Yeah. Well, welcome back home. Thank you. Outside of that, <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff happened this uh, this weekend. Uh, maybe not so much for the Pirates. A big thing happened. I'll say that. A lot of money was exchanged. The Dodgers signed Shohei Otani, Jimothy. Uh, let's, let's talk about that a little bit here. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think we all kind of knew where this was was going to head. The Dodgers were certainly a favorite to land Otani for the last you know couple of years. You know, once people kind of figured out, hey, he's not signing an extension with the Angels, um, he's going to hit free agency. He's probably going to get the largest contract of all time, and it's probably going to be the Dodgers who give it to him. So, uh, the Dodgers giving him an unprecedented amount of deferral money, which I don't think we've seen like the exact numbers yet. I think we've seen some people throw out some estimates and things like that. Um, But it seems like the overall actual annual value of this deal is somewhere in like the, the 45 ish million dollar range um, with a lot of this deferred, but overall the Dodgers are going to give Shohei Otani 700 million dollars. American dollars over the course of many years. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the, that's the full number there. Um, 10 years, $700 million. Again, um, lots of that deferred. He's going to be basically getting that Bobby Bonilla deal. I think I was seeing some numbers where like, he's going to be getting paid until like 2056 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you talked about like, <laughs> I don't know the true actual numbers that are out there, right? I mean, we've heard it's probably about $450 million, like, value-wise. Uh, and like you said, like, the, the terms and lengths. I mean, this is generational wealth. And literally generational wealth because he's getting paid for generations. <laughs> yeah, like, his children, his children's children, they'll, they'll be uh, 
they'll be taking part of this deal. So right. No, so good. I think I mean, it's funny how you mentioned like Bobby Bonilla because yeah, this there's definitely going to be a Shohei Otani day. Oh yeah, in like there, there thirty years from now when he's still getting paid. I don't know. I don't know how many millions. Like you're talking about. I mean, that's that's what's kind of crazy, and I think that's how you can dissect. Like you can dissect this so many ways. I mean, obviously the Dodgers are are signing him to a seven hundred million dollar deal. Like that's just it's crazy. Like I'm trying to fathom that contract. I mean, we broke the three hundred million barrier a few years ago, and like we're talking three hundred million. And then there was this talks about Juan Soto. Could he break four hundred? Is five hundred there? Right? And Shohei Otani, it's like is is four or five hundred there for him? And he, t- you know, he tears his UCL and has to get Tommy John again. And it's like, well, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to even break five hundred? And we're talking seven. It goes from three hundred million to a seven hundred million dollar barrier chip. <laughs> he crushes it. Uh, now, granted, right, like there's all these deferrals, so like the value isn't truly seven hundred million dollars, but it's just like still like that number. Wow, it's a big number, yeah. Uh, and and if you think of it, he's basically getting paid like he's Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole, right? You know, you take those two contracts, and I think it was somewhere in, in like six hundred eighty million or so over nine years with those two so hey i mean it's like market value if you if you kind of take if you if you think that shohei otani is like a cy young caliber pitcher plus one of the best hitters in the game like it's it's like fair value yeah you can talk about on the field performance right Mm -hmm. and you know, there's still, you can question that. Like, is he truly a Cy Young? Like, is this going to happen for the next decade? Like, are you signing a guy that's going to pitch like a Cy Young for the next 10 years to equal mm-hmm. Garrett Cole, like you're talking about? Like, Garrett Cole, when he signed that, no questions about it. The guy who's coming off his second Tommy John, you might question that a little bit, right? Yeah. As far as the hitter goes, that's probably going to last. Like, you feel safe about that. But I think what a lot of people are missing out on. To this day, we still talk about Babe Ruth. To this day, you still talk about Babe Ruth. Do you understand? Like, I get, I, I get the money aspect, right? Like, he's it, marketable, right? Like that, right now, today, during those ten years, how marketable it is. But what's twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years down? Like, you're talking about potentially the best baseball player that ever, ever existed, and he's a Dodger. Like I, I understand yeah. he was an angel, right? Didn't win anything there. I think the Dodgers are hopeful that they actually win something, right? And they when they win, when Shohei Otani wins a World Series, and it's with the Dodgers, and it goes down in history. The best player that ever graced this planet was a Los Angeles Dodger. I don't know. Is that worth seven hundred million dollars? It might be. Um, it absolutely is. So I mean that's that's really where you're looking at this, right? Like, is Shohei Otani going to be worth seven hundred million dollars of on-field value over the next ten years? He might. You know, that's like eighty WAR. He's certainly capable of doing that over a ten-year span. Um, but if he falls short of that, you hit the nail on the head there. This is this is a uh, this is branding. This is this is increasing the value of your brand if you are a major league baseball team. Um, you mentioned Babe Ruth, right? Like, are the Yankees as 
Are the Yankees as popular today and as valuable of a franchise today if Babe Ruth was never a New York Yankee? Probably not, honestly. Mm. Like they won a bunch of World Series with him. Um, like he's he's he was a pop icon. Like he was he was an icon, right? And that's what Otani is. Like Otani is um especially like in the Japanese market too. Like this this dude is like a legend already. Um and, and like you mentioned, as far as just that 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 off the field value, what he brings, just Shohei Otani being in a Dodgers jersey every time you see him now for the next fifty years, there's seven hundred million dollars worth of value in that alone. In that right. alone, just being able right. to say, "Hey, here's Otani wearing a Dodgers jersey," I I would venture to say that the I mean the value of the Los Angeles Dodgers organization is high already. But by the end of this deal, it's going to be $700 million more than it is right now, <laughs> right? Like but Shohei right. Otani will provide that much value to the Dodgers organization. They're going to be the number one team in an entire other country that is baseball starved. Like that, that, that Japan loves baseball. Um, and the Dodgers are going to be the number one team over there now. Like that, that's, that's where the value of this deal comes from. Yeah, he's with an amazing you. baseball player. He's worth. He's probably worth this deal on the field. But when you add that off the field value, um, there's. I don't know if it's that you can put a number on just how priceless it is for to be able to market Shohei Otani wearing your jersey for the remainder of time. I mean, honestly, why are the Angels even relevant? It's not because they're on field performance. <laughs> Right, I mean, they have a guy like named Mike, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and now that's gone. Right now, he's in the L.A. Dodgers. Right, he was across town basically, and uh, so like he's in the same market. Everyone there already knows him; it already exists. It's easy for the people that have been covering him and traveling, you know, with him. They're, they stay in the same city, but yeah, like now it's the Dodgers. Now the Dodgers get to reap that benefit. And honestly, I know like they have their issues. Right, everyone likes to poke fun of them, like oh, you know, they're going to lose in the playoffs. So at least they get there every every damn year and wish to it gives them a much better chance but like think about this like think about what Ichiro did for the mariners think about how Ichiro is viewed over there we're just talking about Ichiro. i mean honestly great baseball player great baseball player no shohei Otani, right so like i think a lot of people are missing out on just the business aspect of this this is a great business move if shohei Otani never i shouldn't play that because the value of him and the name goes down but like Kind of what I'm getting at, like you talked about, like $700 million just as a business move and not even an on-field performance move is almost a good move in itself. So the Dodgers can afford to do this. It makes all the sense in the world. The Blue Jays seem to be in, and I loved how, what was it, Saturday? Was it Saturday or Friday? It was Friday, wasn't it? That the was whole... uh, that was Friday. Yeah. Yeah. The plane. Yeah. We all got the yeah. okie doke that he was on yeah. his way from Southern LA to Toronto. The Blue Jays were going to meet with him. And if they're meeting with him, I mean, like, God, we know they already met in Dunedin. So if they're meeting with him again, it must be the sign, Jim. And that didn't happen. Uh, Shark Tank guy, Robert, <laughs> he arrived in Toronto and everyone jeered. Uh, yeah, but like, uh, what I want to say to that is the reports did come out that Toronto basically was in. I mean, I don't know if it was exactly the same dollar amounts, but it was it was there. And when you're talking about seven hundred million dollars, like if you're off by fifty million dollars, you're still in the ballpark. That's how crazy this contract is. So again, I don't know how exactly close they were, but like they were there. 
So that's interesting. Yeah, and um, it, it seems like there were final three candidates from from what I'm seeing. So who knows who the other one was? But hey, I mean, I mean, good for the Dodgers. I know people like to hate on them, but like the, they they made this move. It's going to pay off for them in the long run. They're a smart organization. They have money to spend, and they went out and they got the best player to ever live. Like that's plain and simple. That's what this is here. Um, it's a little disappointing that other teams like like this wasn't like a whole league wide thing. Like a lot of Pirates fans are kind of complaining about about this, and it's like I'm not saying that the Pirates should have gone out there and signed Shohei Otani, but like they should have tried. And I'm I'm dead serious when I say that. Like people say, well, the Pirates are never going to give somebody a ten years, seven hundred million dollar contract. I know they aren't. They, that's not how they operate. But when you say that they can't do it, I just wholeheartedly disagree with you. The Pirates are fully capable of making this deal. And as I mentioned before, if they make this deal, Bob Nutting makes this money back over time. Like the Pirates organization, instead of being worth one point. Three one point four billion, whatever it is now, ends up being worth two point five billion dollars at the end of this contract. That's the kind of value that he brings. Um, so again, I understand pirates aren't making this type of deal. I'm not saying that they need to, but don't act like they can't. Don't act like they can't because they can. It takes an investment into the team, but they can do it. They just choose not to. This is a slippery slope. And I, it's like, I want to choose my words wisely as we're going down this slope, because also in choose my words wisely, this could be a three hour show now. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Like we could talk you know. about this particular thing forever. That's my opinion. And right. I, I think the pirates could like, and you're going to say like they, they, they can't afford it. Yeah, they can. They have a $50 million payroll right now. They do this deal. Their payroll is $120 million. That's less than what the Cincinnati Reds have averaged over the last five years. Like, this isn't something that the Pirates are incapable of doing. This is just something that they choose not to do. Right. Well, so so I guess like the slope I'm going down, right? Because if we want to talk about, which we're not like, this isn't about that, right? But this leads to the salary cap and if a cap should be there and like how there's no small market and all teams are, ri- all teams are rich. All teams are basically printing money in a sense, right? But there certainly are ones that are much more rich than others, right? I mean, clearly like, the Dodgers can spend more than the Pirates can. Just hands down. Doesn't matter, right? I agree. Like, yeah. Obviously, like the the TV deal from the the Padres, the Dodgers was like two hundred million dollars, just just the TV deal. Like they can just touch the TV deal and outspend the Pirates right then and there without all the money they're bringing in elsewhere, right? Like like they just have more money. The Yankees just have more money, right? So of course they can go ahead and spend seventy million dollars on Shohei. And the thing is, is they can spend more, right? So like I understand, like you're saying, like the Pirates can acquire this type of a contract right sure that they could but what it does is it hinders them if this contract ever goes does go bad it puts them in a much larger situation to overcome right when 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 the dodgers miss out on a 70 million dollar deal which about 45 right after because of deferrals we talk right so 45 million dollars off on the books right now and, and there's a year where he's out maybe he has an injury and he's out for the whole year 45 million dollars is hard to swallow right but when you're dodgers 45 million is about 25 percent of just your tv deal 
<laughs> so, you know, you can you can go ahead and, and make moves to you know to better yourself. Still, when the Pirates lose out on that type of money, they have less less opportunity to improve themselves. Right? They're, they're, they're kind of screwed. Um, so, like, I can understand why they don't. Right? Why they don't make this move? The problem with this cowards. is cowards. this. Sure, but but my thing is the problem with this is everyone's so focused on the Dodgers and how the Pirates missed out and can't sign Otani, right? Cool. Don't focus on that. Just this is an anomaly. Don't focus on that. We're not asking for seven hundred million dollars, Jim. The Pirates have acquired three million dollars this offseason <laughs> by by a guy who was traded twice and had to eat money twice to get to the $3 million. Like when the Cincinnati Reds have spent $87 million this offseason so far, you know? And I get the offseason's not done, right? We're, we're, this isn't the final number, and, but this is what I'm alluding to. When the, when the Reds have spent $87 million, why can't the Pirates just do, do that? Like why can't the Pirates keep up with the Cincinnati Reds? That's all I'm asking. Literally, all I'm asking is that this team do what the Reds can do. Like, because here's the thing: they can do that. They can do what the Reds can do. Absolutely, can the Pirates' local TV deal, and who knows what it's going to be going forward. But you know, the past few deals, the past few years, the Pirates have been getting about sixty million dollars a year from from the AT and T Sportsnet. They've been getting. Almost a hundred million. I mean, the national TV deals just went up. They're getting like a hundred million dollars from that, hundred and sixty million dollars right there. They're getting another fifty to eighty million dollars from revenue sharing. We're over two hundred million dollars now in revenue. That's not including gate receipts, which is another sixty, seventy, eighty million dollars. This team's pulling in over a quarter billion dollars a year in revenue. Where's that money going? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like this team should be able to field a payroll of 120 million dollars. 120 million. That's all I'm asking. Like this is revenues have gone up every single year, year after year for Major League Baseball for the last decade. And payroll, the Pirates payroll has not. It's in the exact same spot it was 10 years ago. And it, it we're not seeing any movement like this is a team that just not they're not keeping up with the rest of the sport and, and again you see teams like the Reds going out there and consistently putting up payrolls of 120 to 150 they're, why are the pirates spending half that right how much money is bob nutting pocketing because if we're pulling in 250 million dollars a year and payroll is consistently well below 100 million and I get there's other expenses that go into running a running an organization, but payroll is going to be your largest expense by far. I'm not saying Bob Nutting is pocketing $100 million a year or anything like that, but I think he's pocketing $50. Well, and if he's pocketing so $50 million a year every year for the last 10 years, like they have the money to do these types of deals. They, they are just choosing not to. That's all. And, right. and again, I, I could be wrong. My math could be off here, and there could be way more expenses that I'm not understanding and seeing. But then, then tell, show me. Like Pittsburgh Pirates, 
show me how much money you're spending. Cause right now the only thing we're seeing is $70 million and you're getting 250 million every year. Well, finally got to 70 million, but that's what we're going to here. I mean, that, that's the whole, that's, that's part of the issue, right? The reason and this is basically coming from them, right? Like not in the exact words or phrase, but the reason we needed to sit back and watch all these terrible signings and all these low payrolls and just bad teams doing this rebuild was because when the time is right, we've learned our lesson. We are going to invest. We are going to spend. The time can't get any more right. Uh, again, like we're in year five of this rebuild. You see the division around you. Like you have to invest in this team if you want to do anything. Otherwise, you're just going to sit back for two or three more years and hope things change in the landscape. You know, because again, like you see the Reds coming, they're up and coming. Their young talents hit, and pretty much all their talent is actually literally hit. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about last year how Triolo and Majinski was essentially like the only two rookies that performed well. It's like the opposite for the Reds. It's like everyone performed well other than just maybe two guys. You know, it's like they all came up hitting, playing well, and they're surrounding themselves with talent. Like they again, like they've gone. You can question like the players they acquired, you know, the starter, the reliever, the hitter, like how good they are. Are they worth the contract as everyone loves to talk about, right? Well, that's a bad contract. Okay, well, they got better. Whether it's a bad contract or a good contract, they got better. Have the pirates gotten better? Well, essentially, since the offseason, they got worse because their number two pitcher now has Tommy Johns, who's out for the year. So you had the same team, and now you're down a player, and you've supplemented that with another injury risk. And again, we talked about the deal. Like, we're fine with that deal. The deal, especially for $3 million, like, that's, that's all they're really giving up to get. Like, they got a free player for $3 million. We like the upside, right? But like, there's still an injury risk. We're not sure how he's actually going to overcome the injury and pitch this year, right? So, like, you've supplemented that with another question mark this team's full of question marks so essentially you have gotten worse because you've lost the pitcher the reds have gotten better the cardinals have gotten better the cardinals have gotten better we can go down the the rest of the time we will but like again that's what we talk about like with spending money and investing and such so you know like like you have told us be patient we are actually rebuilding now we have this plan. We're going to rebuild. Stay with us. And when the time's ready, we are going to invest. You know why, Jim? Because Bob Nutting is pissed. Bob Nutting is sick of seeing these players go to other teams and perform better. He's tired of this. And he's a different man now. Basically, what we've heard, right? Prove it. It's what we've heard, right? It's what we've heard. But just like you said, Jim, it's time to prove it. And this offseason, is what that is. It's it's the put up or shut up off season, and you're seeing all the teams, and that's the problem. You're seeing now all the teams in the NL Central do so. We've just we've spent a lot of time right now just talking about you know the Reds. We already talked about the Cardinals for how long. The Cubs have been on players. They're attached to players. I, I mean, I I kind of you know if I was a Cubs fan too, I'd be kind of a little bit nervous right now. I'm like, okay, you were hearing a lot, but like there's still no action yet from the Cubs. And that's how we've been talking right now. Like, but at least they're rumored. Like you're hearing them attached to names. They they sound as they do want to better themselves. And the Brewers we thought were going to like kind of retool, and now there's words that they're probably not going to trade Corbin Burns, and they've already signed their young guy to the biggest contract ever from a guy who's never seen the majors. So like everyone in the NL Central seems to be headed. 
forward. Yeah, um, it's it's frustrating um, because this division's wide open. The division is wide open, and I feel like they've missed out on a wide open division already the last four years doing this rebuild. That again, they didn't have to do. You don't have to tear down your entire organization and rebuild it to compete in Major League Baseball and win 85 games. You could just go out there and try to win 85 games. Like That's simply something that you could try to do. You didn't have to put us through four years of absolute misery. But that's the path that they chose. We're now in year five. They won 76 games last year, right? 76? Yep. Uh, They need to get better this year. And the way that the roster currently stands, they, I don't know if they are going to get to that point. Um, now, there's a, still a lot of moves to be made. There's still a lot of time left in the offseason. I trust that Ben Charrington will add, especially some starting pitching pieces, like he kind of has to, right? And he said that that's, that's the goal of the team. So I, I don't think they're done. There are certainly more moves to be made. I'm not going to completely pass judgment on this offseason on December 11th. Like, there's a lot of time left in this sure. offseason. Um, and, and honestly, the Marco Gonzalez acquisition was a good start. Like, being able to add that arm for $3 million, like, that's a good start to building the rotation. Um, I still think they need to go out there and they need to get at least two more arms one of them being a very reliable one like that's that's just something that they have to do um they need to go out there and they they need to find someone who can play first base preferably left from the left side you know that way you can maybe have connor joe in there against lefties if you need to because he he did play well against lefties let's let's just admit that um so there's some things that they need to address and i think that they will and they have the money to do it, right? I mean, if, if payroll is truly going to go up this year, even if it's just a minuscule amount, they they have quite a bit of money to play with right now. Um, but it is a little frustrating seeing other teams in your division that you're competing against who are who are getting these guys early on in the off season that you know you you would be targeting, um, but. I'm not going to pass judgment. I think the only thing I kind of wanted to say out of this whole thing was the Pirates can sign free agents. It's not like they're incapable of doing so. They can sign anybody to these types of deals. The Milwaukee Brewers gave Christian Yelich like $180 million. The the Cincinnati Reds once gave Joey Votto, what, 200 something million dollars. Like these yeah. are deals that the Pittsburgh Pirates are capable of making. They have just chosen not to do so in the past, and they're choosing not to do so right now. Yeah, good call. Uh, and let's kind of put that in perspective a little bit here as well, just since you mentioned it. Like the Brewers did give Christian Yelich seven years, $188 million. That, his last year of that deal is 2028. While having that contract, they signed a minor leaguer to an $80 million deal. This is the Milwaukee Brewers. It's Mo- Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's the smallest market in Major League Baseball. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Right. I don't know if you Granted, Milwaukee. Pittsburgh's no Chicago. <laughs> but this is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the Reds, again, we talked about, the Reds are also a smaller market. 
you know, and, and then they see a team that's ready to go forward. They're investing. We just ask for the investment. And again, I understand. Like when we've talked, we, I feel like we mention this every time we have a show. Like I understand it's not over, right? And it's not over yet. But these are talks that you have to have because this is what we have to see this offseason. We cannot let this offseason go by and and the pirates just say it didn't work out next year. You can't do it because it's only going to get worse every single year after this. Every team is getting better. Every team is more or less at the beginning of this arc, right? I mean, the Cubs are upcoming. The Reds are upcoming. I'm not going to say like the Cardinals are upcoming, but they, they, they retool. You know they're going to be good every year for the most part, right? And the Brewers, we figured that they did retool probably a few years because they have a lot of young guys coming, but it sounds like maybe they're not. And, you know, Corbin Burns was like the biggest piece of that. Like if Corbin Burns gets traded, it's retool. But they're going to keep him. And there's only one year left on his deal. So if they're keeping him, it's with a mindset of it's go time for them also. So you have every team in this division going for it. The, the, like the, the window we talk about, like the, there, isn't, there isn't an opportunity where it's like, okay, there's only two teams that are good in this division. Let's be the third. It's five now. It's competitive. It's a battle. And I understand there's another wild card, but this division's still very weak. Like even though everyone's going for it, no one's, no one's good. Like no one's the Phillies. Nobody's even the Mets, you know, for the most part. Um, so, like the thing about the wild cards too, like that's why the division matters so much, is because even though the teams are competitive, I don't think they're good. And that's why we talk about the window. That's why they need to go for it. Because I don't necessarily think there's, there's going to be like two wild cards coming from this division. If one wild card even come in this division, right? So it's like you have to win the division probably to like actually have playoff implications. That's why it's important. Yeah, I think there's a path to a wild card with this just the extended playoffs. But winning the division is something that but if you, you win your division, you don't have to worry about it. Like you don't, have, you just don't. Right. You've got five. If you can beat four other teams, you're in automatically, right? And that's what the Pirates should be focusing on. They should be focusing on being the best team in the NL Central. And that's where I was kind of going with it. Of course, like you can, right? But like, look at the NL East. That's a tough. That's a tough division in itself. Thankfully, the Pirates aren't in that. But, I mean, the Braves, the Phillies, the Marlins seem to be getting better. I don't know what the Mets are really doing. Like, you know, like, look at the other divisions. Like, they're, they're pretty tough. The Central is just weak. So, it's like, if you really want to make the playoffs, you have to target the division. That's why the division matters so much. You know, like, if you're the Phillies right now, you're not worried about getting into the playoffs for the most part in that sense. Like the Braves, you know, like if you don't win the division, you're still making the playoffs. You have those hopes. Anyone in the NL Central can't think that way. So again, that's why the division matters so much. And that's why there should be such a micro focus on the division itself. So when you're seeing the division improve the way that it is, that's, that's problematic. Yeah. I think the most problematic thing, like the, honestly, the thing that scares me most about this division is that, you had other teams going through a rebuild the exact same time as the Pirates, and they did it much quicker. I was going to say, not really. They, yeah, that's what Blue Jays. It wasn't but, the same time. I mean, it was after. It, you know, instead of a four or five year rebuild, they did a one or two year rebuild, and then like they're 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 back. Like no one in the NL Central is currently taking nobody. Cardinals finished in last place last year, but they're obviously 
not looking to do that again. Um, the the Cubs had a couple down years, but they are they are uh, they are back and trying to win. The Reds, all those prospects that they've spent a couple of years acquiring, they're all now in the majors. And as you mentioned before, a lot of them are hitting, um, and they're able, and they're supplementing that with free agents. The Brewers, I, I you know, if they traded Burns, you could say, oh, they're going to take a little bit of a step back. But if they're keeping Corbin Burns, like they're 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 going for it again. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be. I'm not going to say it's a tough division because, it, like you mentioned, it's the easiest division out there. None of these teams are are going to be projected to win over 90 games. But right, right, that, like that's where we're at. Like you, you've got to you've got to get to a place where you're at least at the same level as these other teams. And the Pirates, in their current state, are fifth out of five. Now, there's plenty of time to change that, but right now. As we stand on December 11th, 2023, the Pirates are likely the fifth best team in the NL Central. So go out there and change that. No, you're right. And again, like there is time, right? But with each day that passes and each free agent that gets scooped up, there's just less options, you know? Like there's just less out there now. And you're not hearing anything about like Dylan Cease. You're not hearing anything about Tyler Glass now. You know, so, so and like the free agents, like you're not really hearing too much. To, and again, like the Pirates are very tight lipped. So I'm not saying it can't happen. But again, that's the, the worrisome part of this, right? Like you talked about earlier in the show, it's time to prove it, right? The Pirates have proven so far. Is they're typically not on these guys. I mean, Francisco Liriano is still the largest free agent signing in Pirates history at $39 million. The Reds just signed Candelario for $45 million. And it's a guy that they don't even need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like they, was it they a were need? just like, oh, here's a bat that we can just go out and sign. Right. The Pirates literally need three pitchers to complete a rotation. The the Reds were just like. You know what? If we acquire him, maybe that makes India more available for a trade, and now we can get Cease. Like we can fill a need by doing that. So let's just sign this guy, so we have someone else that's expendable to get what we need. Like that's how I look at that 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 deal. And and they did that by breaking the Pirates' largest free agent signing ever. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so it's like again, like that's why there is absolutely reason to question. And worry, I'm not saying panic, but it's like you're seeing other teams be assertive and making moves and getting better. And so far, you're kind of seeing the Pirates sit around. And again, it's worrisome right now. It's worrisome because, you know, we have 30 years-ish of data to prove that the Pirates haven't gone out there and improved their team much through free agency. Now, they can always choose the 2023 offseason. This, 20, this offseason is the year that, that that narrative changes. Prove it. Prove it to me that this is the year it changes because right now, I don't believe they're going to go out there and, and, and acquire anybody of any significant value. I hope they do. I want them to do it. Just they've never done it before. And I don't know if they're going to start now. Which take this back. 
We're not asking for $700 million, Shohei Otani. But $80 million for Eduardo Rodriguez should not be a problem. That shouldn't be, you shouldn't be saying, well, whoa, Pittsburgh. The Pirates can never afford Eduardo Rodriguez at $80 million. Like, that's just something they, they absolutely should. And I know it takes two to tango. I get like this isn't this isn't me coming out and just saying like well the pirates are idiots whatever but like that should easily be something they could have done and it made all the sense this this offseason especially to make that move and they didn't so now it's like again we talked about like it's you don't need to panic I know it's not over but that's one more off the board like you said you need at least two you probably want to get three pitchers. Because even the guy that they got right now for $3 million, Marco Gonzalez, you can't really bank on yet. You know, so it's like, like you have one that you, you still only have one that you're comfortable with. The Gonzalez in a vacuum deal is, is fine, but you still only have one starting pitcher that you're comfortable with for this upcoming season. Eduardo Rodriguez would made two. You can pencil those two dogs in this rotation and you can build upon that. Marco Gonzalez is just another question mark that you're hopeful for, and there's bounce back potential, right? But there's no, there's still no sure thing of that, and and again, that, that's why we're here. The sure things are coming off the board, and you are a team filled with risk. I I, I, talk, I feel like I talked about like there's only about five players on this forty man that you're comfortable with. The other thirty five have to get better, like they just have to get better if you want to be better. Yeah, and, and a report just came out last night that you know the Royals are the Royals have Marcus Stroman, Seth Lugo, and Lucas Giolito on their radar. Like, and I I get the pirate. It's tough for pirates reports to come out. Like, in order for pirate stuff to come out, you sat usually has to come from like the other team because the pirates don't say anything. Um, but yeah, I mean we're. We've seen one report that the Pirates are going to be interested in Jack Flaherty if no one gives Jack Flaherty more than one year. Right. And then we've seen a report that says that the Pirates are interested in acquiring uh, Josh Naylor from the Indian, uh, from the Guardians. Sorry. Um, so you've got the Cleveland Guardians, who I don't know why you would trade Josh Naylor. <laughs> like you're a team that can't hit anyways. And you've got a guy who can hit, um, unless the Guardians are just going in full on rebuild mode. Um, well, they have the number, think, number one pick now, Jim. So maybe right, that's so, enticing them. I mean, I don't know if, I, if I'm the Guardians, I'm not trading Josh Naylor. But if he's available, the Pirates should absolutely be in on him. He would be an answer to our prayers at first base because they they would love to have somebody there again, especially from the left side. And Josh Naylor would provide that. He's a very good hitter. Um, if Josh, again, if Josh Naylor truly is available, you got to go after him hard. Um, but other than that, like we haven't heard the pirates attached to anyone. Right. And again, like, so we talk about the war some parts, right? But yeah, like Josh Naylor would make a whole lot of sense. It's reported that the Cubs are also in on him. Uh, also the Mariners. So, and again, like that's the thing that stings. It's like, okay, so where the Cubs land him? Like, like yeah. seeing their name attached to so many players. So again, like there seems to be a desire for them to spend money and, and go out there and get better. 
Um, but but you're right, Jim. You know that like the Royals lost 106 games last year. The Royals had a payroll of like 20 million dollars more than the Pirates last year, and they're losing. They're a small market team, and now they, they were potentially in on Sonny Gray. They're they're looking at Stroman, Giolito. You know they they they're doing things. The Royals' young shortstop star also is everything that we want our young shortstop star to be already. He's already yeah. there. And obviously, like, listen, this isn't the compare. Like, their rebuild sucked. No. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, I'm not saying be like the Royals because they suck. They're, they're, they have right. made a lot of really bad decisions. Um, but what but, I'm alluding to is yeah. they're not in a position to even win. And they're out here topping hundred million dollar payrolls. So, so again, why why can't the pirates do that when they're in a position to win? Like, why can't the pirates be looking into these type of pitchers? They should. And again, like I'm not here telling you that they're not, and this won't happen. But these are the things that they have to do. And if they fail to do these things this offseason, it is a failure. I mean, we've already heard, like, they're afraid to spend $7 million on a first baseman for, like, Carlos Santana. Like, if, if he's available, they're probably not going to do it. Which, like, I, I get, like, roster allocation, like, where you want to, like, put your resources to, but that's a little bit worrisome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's about what Josh Naylor is going to make this year, too. Is like sure. $7 million. Now, I think $7 million on Josh Naylor is a better use of that money than $7 million on Carlos Santana. Correct. Uh, but like, if you need to spend $7 million to find yourself a, a semi-capable first baseman, you should be able to do that, and you should not have any sort of problem with it. Right. It's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would put my $7 million towards Josh Naylor if I had the choice, right? And that's maybe what they're doing here, which makes sense, instead of putting it Carlos Santana. But it's like, if you're left with no options, and your option is Carlos Santana at $7 million, like, I'm just not going to punt. <laughs> That's kind of what you're doing with the teams. You're yeah, I'm not just going to be like, well, you know what? Let's give Seth Beer a shot. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, at any rate, you know, this has to be a successful offseason for the Pirates because this division isn't making it easy for them at this point in time. Um, and again, with, with with each show, I feel like there's some move that another team did that we have to talk about when the Pirates have stayed pat for. But at the same time, you say the division's not making it easy, but at the same time, they they kind of are. Like, again, like no one in this division is any sort of a juggernaut. Like, you can go out there and you can be the best team in this division by the end of this week if you want to. Like, and I'm dead serious. Like, if the Pirates really wanted to go out there, and let's say the Pirates were like, you know what, our payroll for 2024 is going to be $120 million. They'd be the best team in the division by the end of the week. Very likely. Yeah. No, and I agree with you. And, like, to kind of clarify what I meant by that is it is weak, and that's why they need to capitalize. But when I say they're not making it easier is because it's not as if the Cardinals were satisfied being bad and they're saying, okay, you know, we're just going to take it easy right now. And the Brewers aren't saying we're going to retool and we're going to take it easy. You know, it's it's not as if it's just the Reds and Cubs that are upcoming 
for this division. It's everybody now. Like, there's no, okay, well, at least we're better than the Cardinals. Okay, or at least we're going to be better than the Brewers. There's none of that right now. They're all competing. The level of it, you can question, right? And that's what we're doing. But every team is. So there's no easy, easy team to look past right now. But yeah. So I don't know. Again, like, there's no whole lot to really talk about on the Pirates front. It seems to be the the tone of the offseason. Really no rumors, no nobody that they're truly attached to. So far, we have Marco Gonzalez and, and Rule 5 minor league picks and <laughs> set beers. Yeah, um, it's been slow so far. And and I think that's just what's frustrating is you have a lot of things to address, so you would prefer it to not be slow. But at the same time, there's there is a lot of time left. Like you don't have to do everything right now. These guys are going to be available for the, for the majority of the off season. You have three more months, two really two more full months to to kind of build your team. You can use the full two months. Just go out there and do it. That's all I'm saying. I get it. You can, but some of these guys aren't going to still be there in two months from now. Yeah. So at any rate, um, I don't know. That's pretty much probably all we have to talk about right now. Shohei breaks baseball to many. (laughs) He broke the sport. It's over. Um, my, my but what I'll say I to that say is that, hopefully there's yeah, a trickle down. What's that? I said the thing I'll say to that too is he's the greatest baseball player of all time. Oh. He deserves the largest contract of all time. That's just how it should work. Like, right. Yeah. I see nothing, nothing wrong with a 10 year, $700 million deal at all. And again, when you say that there's only two, three teams that are capable of doing that, I'm going to call bullshit. I'm going to say, nope, there's 30. There's 30 teams that are capable of doing that. There's only two or three teams that choose to try to do so. Yeah. What I was going to say is, hopefully, what that does, though, also is you start seeing the trickle down. Like, with Shoei being cleared up and done, chips start falling. Maybe Dylan Cease gets traded. Right, last time gets traded, you're starting to see. But again, if you're starting to see all that trickle down and those moves happen, those are just less and less people that become now available that the Pirates will need to have in that rotation to be to be good. So hopefully things start to move rather quickly. Uh, this offseason starts getting the going again, and there's more to talk about here soon. Yeah. So I, I guess with that, anything else you want to add or, or say before we get out of here? No, let's get out of here. All right. Well, as always, appreciate everyone for watching. We'll be back again sometime this week. I think Cody streams the MLB The Show today. I think so. Um, he's got some editing work to do for me, too. Yes, he does. He's got, like two, <laughs> he's got two NS9 cardboards he still needs to, to knock out there. Cody. We have two NS9 cardboards. We have our Hattie B's vlog that we're going to get out three there. Things. Three things. And then... There's something else too, isn't there? From the trip? Maybe not. No, three. There's three things. Oh, it was the cardboard. It was the Stephen Brawl. Yeah. Like yeah. NSN cardboard. Okay. So there's things coming. This week's kind of weird. We're not sure when we'll be back. 
outside of that, we'll definitely have shows upcoming. Stay tuned. We'll let you know. Yep. So we'll get out of here. Bye-bye, everyone. See you all. Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks. Oh, 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 oh,